We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. My name is Mary Jo Parrish. I'm the founder of Kingdom Builders, and today's episode is Child of God. And just so you know, you are always loved and welcome here. So I always like to start with some funny stories, right? Because the Lord loves to hear us laugh. I was playing a game of sorry with my four and six-year-old, and the six-year-old Joseph won. But all through the game, he was being super sassy, was saying, sorry. So So my four-year-old is like sad because he lost the game and he's like, I'm still a winner, white mom. Like, yes, you're still a winner, Bash. And and Joseph's like, I'm the winner. I'm the winner. And I'm like, okay, Joseph, drop it. And Joseph leans against a chair and like puts his arm up in the air and says, I think the Holy Spirit helped me win. I'm like, okay drop it now. He's bringing in the Holy Spirit to his to his winnings. He's so funny. And Joseph, because he's the older brother that likes to tease his younger brother, he uh, created this little store in the basement. And so he sells like seashells for $5 and, you know, little odds and ends. And so he has actual cash down there. And anyone who comes in our house, he has to take them down to a store, which is basically a trash pit of like random things all over these different shelves he's created. So he's telling me about a recent sale, and he's like, so I sold Bash a ball and a wine's wheel toy for $14, but Dad told me I had to give back the money, and then I took my stuff back. And I was like, okay, that was a good decision to do that. And then he's like, well, last night I scammed Bash again. I was like, Joseph, stop scamming him. Well, he it was his money, and he really wanted to, and he's going through the whole thing. But he totally understood what he was doing. The whole scamming, they were cracking me up. So I'm looking at this pile of laundry the other day, and it's really large. And I'm thinking to myself, I just don't feel like folding all of this laundry and putting it away. And so, of course, I distract myself with something I don't need to do. I go on Facebook, and I see this meme that pops up immediately. And it's this woman with this little picture of a door on her shirt, like right over her heart. And at the top, it says, listen to your heart. And she goes and she opens her little door. And when she opens the little door, it says, do not fold laundry. And I took that as a sign from God that I should not be folding laundry. And I called my teenagers to come fold it. And that was a good day. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise, to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. Amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we always talk about our foundation. We pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. 
We go to church on Sundays, and we stay in a state of grace. We make sure those three things are done, and then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. So today, we're talking about being a child of God. So we know that we were created in Him. We also know that God spoke everything into existence. He spoke it into existence. So God said, let there be light, and there was light. You know, he did created other things. And then he said, God said, let the earth bring forth every kind of living creature, tame animals, crawling things, and every kind of wild creature. And he finally gets to the human beings, and it's God said, let us make human beings in our own image after our likeness. So who's the us? What is that? It's the Trinity, right? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God said, he spoke all these things into existence. And then when he gets the human beings, he's like, I'm bringing in the full Trinity on this one, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is from Corinthians chapter 15. It is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-given spirit. Just as we have borne the image of the earthly one, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly one, right? We get both. Thank goodness. So what does image even mean? You know, what's that mean? It's a representation of an original. For example, if you show me a picture of your dog, that picture of your dog isn't actually a dog, right? It's a representation of your dog. The one thing we know about um, a representation or an image is that they can't exist unless you have an original. So we are the image or the representation of God, but God's the original. But that's actually not all. In Genesis 2-7, it says, He breathed his life-giving breath into his nostrils, and the man began to live. God breathed his breath into man. That's huge. Did God breathe his breath into the fish, into the dogs, the cats, the birds, the trees? Nope. He breathed life into human beings. And when Adam and Eve sinned, that breath was removed. But through baptism, it's within us once again. And so being a child of God is an honor. Not everyone is a child of God. And if you're listening to this and you're like, well, then I want to be baptized. That's wonderful. Just ask you to contact your Catholic church. You're going to ask for the RCIA director. That means the right of Christian initiation. And they'll talk to you about how to get baptized. I know that most of you know that I've adopted children. So I can kind of think of this from a different viewpoint. It, when I heard this actually like bothered me. I'm like, wait a minute, everyone's God's child, but actually that's not true. I love kids, really love kids. Every child I meet, I like love, but they're not all my children. Unless I've given birth to them or I've adopted them, they're not mine. And so the same is true for God. All people are beloved by God. All people are created to be his child and all people are welcome to be his child. But not all people know this. They don't know, right? And that is why our evangelization of others is so important in the life of a Christian. We're called to share that good news. I'm thinking of 
when my babies are little, I always want them to sleep. Like, please, Lord, just let them sleep. And then once they do sleep, then I'm petrified that they're not breathing. So I have to run in there and like touch their chest and make sure they're breathing. And I think for God the Father, like he wants his breath. Like he's like, oh, if all these kids not breathing. Like he wants his breath within every single human being. And like we're part of the conduit that brings them to the Lord so that they can be baptized and receive his breath within them. This is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph number 1213. Holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life, the gateway to life in the Spirit, and the door which gives access to the other sacraments. Through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons and daughters of God. We become members of Christ, are incorporated into the church, and made sharers in her mission. And when we know, like, we really recognize that we've been brought into the family and we're now his child, and baptism is like the winning lottery ticket. But we daily choose to be his child. That's a daily decision. This is from Luke chapter 6. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Then your reward will be great, and you will be, will be, children of the Most High. Okay, so we have to love our enemies, do good to those who hate us, bless those who curse us, pray for those who mistreat us, and then we will be children of God, okay? It means we cannot claim His glory and call ourselves children of God unless we are living from this. One of my favorite saints is St. Vincent de Paul. He was born into poverty, and the priesthood he viewed as actually an escape of poverty, an escape into like an uncomfortable life. And while he was attending seminary, his father, a very poor farmer who walked with a limp, came a long distance to visit him. And when he got there, um, Vincent wouldn't see him because he was too embarrassed to admit that this poor man who walked with a limp was his father. When they questioned Vincent, he denied his sonship. He would not open the door to his father until his conversion years later. And we have that same opportunity. Will we open the door to our father? Will we? When we pray the sign of the cross, when we're in public, when we see someone going through a difficult time, we say, hey, can we pray? You know, like we're always in that place where we can bring people to the Father. Are we embarrassed? Are we going to open the door? So during the Mass, the priest says something which I actually never paid attention to until I was, my son, Father Logan Parrish, was doing a Spanish Mass. He's bilingual. And so I was following along in the English. And I never paid attention to this before then. The priest says something really cool. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we blank to say. What is it? What's that word? The Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we blank to say. We dare to say. We dare. As soon as I read that, my heart was like, dare. Like, why is it daring? I never thought about it as being daring before. And I told Logan afterwards, I'm like, 
why do we dare to say it? And he was like, because we're claiming God, the Alpha and the Omega, as our Father. It's very daring. We remember that we're created in the image and likeness of God, right? As his baptized children, we have his breath within us. And so when we speak, our breath-filled spoken word carries with it God's Father. So when we speak, our breath-filled spoken word carries with it God's power. So why is that daring then? Because, again, of who God is, right? He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. By claiming God as our Father, we're claiming with it our worth, our authority, and our royal obligation that comes from being his child. I think this story explains it best. Many of you know Dr. Scott Hahn. He's a writer and speaker. He converted to the Catholic faith later in his life, but he was doing a public debate with a Muslim scholar on the topic of the Trinity. And before the debate, he had a breakfast with them. And Dr. Hahn, in the midst of their breakfast, referred to God as Father. And the Muslim scholar pounded his fist on the table and said, do not blaspheme. And Dr. Hahn was like confused. And he said, how did I blaspheme? And the Muslim scholar said, you called God Father. Fatherhood is human, not divine. God is infinite, not finite. It's a blasphemy to take what belongs to humans and apply it to God. God is an owner, and we are property. He is the master, and we are slaves. And the Muslim man stormed out of the breakfast and ended up canceling the debate. And so that's how significant calling God our Father is, that for this Muslim scholar, it was blasphemy that we would actually do that. How entitled do you think you are to call God Father? And Jesus is the first one that really does this, okay? So he paves the way for then us to do it. So we know that we were baptized into this family. We know our worth and our authority and our royal obligation. So do we dare to speak the Our Father? Well, before we answer that, I want to look at another part of the Mass. There's a part of it where we say, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So again, I was like, I don't even know what the word host means. I've been Catholic my whole life. I don't know what the word host means. I know like in the Eucharist, we receive the hosts, right? When we're chanting during Eucharistic adoration, so at every Kingdom Builders gathering, we sing O Salataris, which means O Saving Victim, O Salataris Hostia, right? But I didn't know what Lord of the Hosts means. I knew it didn't mean those two things, so it's got multiple um, ways to convert that. So God is first called the Lord of Hosts in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 1.3. And when you translate that word host— from the Hebrew word sabbath, it means armies, God of armies. So let's just think about that for a minute. Let's just pause right there because I just love that image. What kind of armies does the Lord command? Right? It popped in your head, didn't it? Angel armies, right? And sometimes we have this little idea of our heads of like, like a little cherub angel, like a little 
chubby ones you see on Valentine's Day or whatever. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about warrior angels, okay? That's the kind of angels that our Lord commands. Armies of angels. Armies of angels. And so the next part of that, heaven and earth are full of your glory. What's glory even mean? Glory means presence. So the God, the leader of the angel armies, his presence is both in heaven and on earth. Okay? Hosanna in the highest. What's that mean? I didn't know. I have no idea. I had to look it up. It means you're crying for help. God, save us. Save me. Okay? Hosanna in the highest. It's kind of like one of our builder sisters was a volunteer firefighter, and she said they taught you how to grab onto someone by their forearm, that your grip isn't dependent on them holding onto you. It's solely dependent on you holding onto them. And that's the type of divine grasp that the father has on his child. It's not dependent on our own strength that we need to hold on to him. He's holding on to us. We are his child. We don't actually have the strength a lot of times that we need to hold on. We need his strength to pull us up and out of situations and circumstances that pull us away from him. He's constantly pulling us towards him. That's the divine grasp of the father on his child. So let's look at this, these words again. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, so how could we reword that with childlike trust and like that complete confidence in our daddy, right? Because this is all about being a child of God. God loves the childlike. So I was like praying with him, like, how would we say that, Lord? And I have a lot of kids, so I kind of know how they talk. Our super whooper holy dad is God. He commands an army of angels. Heaven and earth are full of his presence. And anytime we cry out for our dad to save us, he hears us. And when we walk in his name, we carry with us his blessing. Because when we know that we're baptized in this family, that our words have such incredible power, when we know our worth and our authority, obligation, our royal blessing, we can dare to claim ourselves as sons and daughters of God. So I just want you to pray with me, the Our Father, in a way that you've never prayed it before, claiming yourself, dare to claim yourself as a child of God. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Ooh, amen. So we're just claiming that. We're not afraid of it. We're claiming it. And when we go back to the whole baptism thing, when we're baptized and God's breath, the Holy Spirit was poured into us, from that, the Holy Spirit actually grows fruit. What's the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Okay, I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church, this is paragraph 1832, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are charity, generosity, joy, gentleness, peace, faithfulness, patience, 
modesty, kindness, self-control, goodness, and chastity. I had someone who asked, you know, why did they change, like, Paul's, there's nine in Scripture, then why does Catholic Church make 12? It's because when you are changing over in languages, like, Paul describes fruits that actually have more than one meaning in English. So we have 12 in the Catholic Church. And when you're thinking to yourself, like, are these growing in my life? Am I gentle? Am I peaceful? Am I patient? Am I kind? You know, what are those fruits growing in your life? Because that's evidence of the Holy Spirit. The one goal that all fruit has is to reproduce itself. And we know that Jesus is the first fruit. And as we grow in him, we grow in being his child, right? We're reproducing the first fruit in our own lives. And Jesus is sweet. Jesus is desirable. And when the fruit grows, it's a sign that the plant is healthy. And so when we see those fruits of the Holy Spirit growing in our lives, it shows that we're in the gaze of the sun. This is from the Gospel of Luke chapter 6. A good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. And that's just true. My um, funny story. My sister has five boys and two girls. And she went to the grocery store, bought lots of groceries, and she realized that the huge package of grapes just ended up missing. And she doesn't think anything about it because she has so many boys that eat a lot. And uh, she's out later that day outside with the kids, and she notices on their bush in the back that it is growing fruit, and she cannot figure out what's happening. And so she calls her husband outside. He's a landscape architect. And she was like, Jerry, this bush is growing fruit. And he was like, I know this bush, and it's not a fruit-bearing bush. I don't understand what's happening hundreds of grapes all over this bush and he is like you know touching them and smelling it and it's like it's like a grape and they can't figure it out and their middle school son sees they're out there looking at the bush with all these grapes all over it and he walks out there and he was like did you like it and they were like what and he was like i took all the grapes and put one grape on each thorn (laughs) my sister's like seriously took him hours he said But the whole bush is covered with hundreds of grapes on every thorn. And my brother-in-law could not figure out how this bush was bearing fruit because it wasn't real fruit. Or it was real fruit, but it wasn't fruit from that bush. And so we want people to be able to look at us, see how we act, see how we speak, and think, this is a child of God. They should know us by our fruit, right? They should know us by our fruit. This is from Sirach, chapter 27. When a sieve is shaken, the husks appear. So do one's fault when one speaks. The fruit of a tree shows the care it has had. So too does one's speech disclose the bent of one's mind. Okay, so basically they're saying, what we say, we can tell by, yeah, what what's going on inside you. Okay, your words are super powerful, which is true. We already know that. Spoken words of ourselves and the spoken words of others have incredible effect on us. Many of us have heard the stories of people who have died and, you know, come back to life. So 
I was reading one of these stories. He's a Christian author and speaker, and he said when he died, he actually died in the dentist chair. He arose from his body and looked back at his body, and he thought, I look beautiful. He couldn't understand how beautiful he looked. And he heard this voice behind him, it was Jesus, who said, that is how I see you all the time. And when he started to look closer at this body, he realized that there was something that was that was black, like a tar vest on him. And Jesus said, get closer, see what that is. And as he got closer, he could see that they were black words that were spoken over him, mean things that were spoken over him his entire life. You're unlovable, you're basic, you're stupid, you're boring, you're fat, you're gross, you're lazy, you're trash, you're unwanted, you're unlovable, you're depressing, you're a slob, you're messy. All these things that had been spoken over him, and he just started weeping, and he had to forgive people, one at a time had to forgive him. And so perhaps we too have a vest. Just as our own words are powerful, the words of others are powerful as well. Are there any words that are keeping us from the fullness of our glory? Have we found ourselves thinking about words spoken against us in the past? So sometimes I'll be driving, as it feels like I'm always driving, and I'll remember something that happened like, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, a fight that I was in. And I'll start having this fake argument in my head. I'm probably crazy, but, oh, she said that? I would say this. Oh, and I would tell her this, and she would probably say this, and then I would say back to this. And um, I find myself like, like my blood is pumping, I'm super irritable, and my kids will be like, Mom, and I'll be like, Big what? You know, like, because all of a sudden I'm I'm upset about an argument or a conflict that happened years ago. Like, who even does that? I mentioned it to someone else, and they were like, oh, yeah, I do that too. I'm like, really? Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. But when that happens, when we're, like, in the midst of having those fake arguments in our head, like, what's what's going on there? What What is that? I think it might be just the Holy Spirit alerting us to necessary healing that needs to take place. So if we have those words that keep coming back to us in painful ways, the fake arguments in our head, like, hmm, some healing needs to happen. God may lovingly remind us of those places of discomfort to bring them into healing. And once those areas are healed, then we're more easily able to grow the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Matthew 7, 16, by their fruit, you will know them. So how do we do that, you know? Jesus desires to heal us, to set us free. And as a child of God, we have to claim the freedom to no longer entertain pretend arguments. We have to remove that black tar vest. We don't need to keep replaying a conflict over and over in our head. We don't need to keep replaying hurtful words over and over in our head. We just need to bring it all to him. Remember? Our dad, our super whooper, holy dad, is God. He commands an army of angels. Heaven and earth are full of his presence. And anytime we cry out for our dad to save us, he hears us. When we walk in his name, we carry with us his blessing. Okay? So in Kingdom Builders, we talk about this all the time. We renounce, right? Jesus removes it. And then we receive the Father's blessing, renounce, 
remove, receive. So if you're not driving right now, just ask you to pause for a minute from whatever you're doing and close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to bring anyone into your mind that you need to forgive. And we're going to speak this, and you're going to say that person's name. And if you didn't bring anything, anyone into your mind, go ahead and pause this podcast until he shows you someone you need to forgive. Sometimes it's like two decades ago of someone that pops up. And so we're, that has no power over you anymore because we're going to allow to bring that all to Jesus. So you're just going to repeat after me, and you're going to say that first person's name, but you're going to say it in a confidential place. So if you're in a room of people, you're not going to say it there. You're going to say it where you're alone. Or you're going to say it very quietly, okay, so that no one else can hear you. Because we're not going to create any type of gossip by doing this, right? Just keep this between us and Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I forgive. I forgive. Say the person's name. For speaking this over me. For speaking this over me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I renounce the spirit of hurt. I renounce the spirit of hurt that came to me when they spoke this over me. That came to me when they spoke this over me. Okay, so you've forgiven and you've renounced the hurt. Okay, now we're going to ask Jesus just to take it away. Jesus, please take these spirits. Jesus, please take these spirits and any related spirits and any related spirits away from me, away from me. And now we're just going to let the Father's blessing just pour into all those areas we just removed. Father, please bless me. Father, please bless me. Fill me with your mercy. Fill me with your mercy. Your love and hope. Your love and hope. Your joy and your faithfulness. Your joy and your faithfulness. And so you remember if you start to have that fake argument or you remember a past hurt, who are you? You're a child of God. That's who you are. You let him heal it. You renounce it. You let Jesus remove it. And then you receive the Father's blessing. And so we know that our words can invoke harm, right? The tar vest. But we also know that our words give us the authority and access to the power of the kingdom. That's renounce, remove, receive. But what if we don't cry out? What if we don't? We remember that even if we don't cry out, The Father goes before us, is behind us, is beside us, is around us, and is within us. Psalm 91, no evil shall befall you, nor shall affliction come near your tent. For to his angels he has given a command about you, that they guard you in all your ways. Upon their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And although St. Vincent de Paul had a bit of a rough start, he had a conversion um, after he was ordained a priest. He chose to open the door to our Father. He went on to establish multiple orders, numerous, numerous orphanages, nursing homes, and schools. He's known as the Apostle of Charity. And in almost every Catholic church, there's a St. Vincent de Paul Society that feeds and clothes and pays bills for those who are struggling financially. He opened the door to his father and allowed the father's love 
to burn brightly within him. St. Augustine says, There is no saint without a past, and no sinner without a future. No saint without a past, and no sinner without a future. One of our Builder sisters was talking with her friend who was a dad, and he has teenagers, and they kind of walk places in their city, get food with their friends, or go to Walgreens and get snacks or whatever, and he was on his way home from work, and he sees his daughter running frantically into a Walgreens, and he's like, what's going on? So he pulls his car into Walgreens Park's and runs in, and he smelled it before he saw it. His daughter suffers from severe ulcerative colitis, and as he jogged back to the public bathroom, he could see that the floor was littered with her feces all the way to the bathroom door, and his heart broke for his little girl. He knew that she must have felt alone, ashamed, and embarrassed, and all he longed to do was to help her, to hold her, and to make sure he knew, and to make sure she knew he was there. Then he knocked on the door and spoke softly, Megan, it's Dad. No matter if our life has been littered with feces or fruit, Our Heavenly Father stands at the door and knocks. He calls each of us by name and says, It's Dad. The God of angel armies comes to exactly where we are at in the midst of our mess to love us. Open the door, take a breath, and let him be yours. This is a quote from Maurice Blundell. She's a Catholic philosopher. This is what she believes Jesus would say to us. Have trust. I am like an atmosphere that is lacking only to those who isolate themselves voluntarily and asphyxiate. You have only to make a slight movement in order to move into me. Just take a breath and I will be yours. If you would like more information about Kingdom Builders or would like to know how to bring this apostolate to your parish, please go to our website at buildingthroughhim.com and click Build With Us. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.